If you are hearing this right now, it means we're covering some graphic topics in today's episode. This is a true crime and paranormal podcast. There's going to be some murder. I only spit straight facts. If you were a furry, what would your fursona be? Oh my god, why do you have to ask that? Because uh, I'm a interested. cat, obviously. You'd be a cat? Of course. I think I might be a fox. I liked Fox and the Hound as a kid, so. Hmm. That's a good one. Anyways, <laughs> are you one. going first this week? I liked uh, the Aristocats. Oh my god, don't lot. even get me started on the a Aristocats, lot. though. We should watch that. I haven't seen it in forever. We should. I really want to see it Little again. Little friend movie night. Get everyone together, watch the Aristocats. Sounds great. Oh yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Are you first? I am first. Oh, Let me get my case exciting. up. Oh my god, who are we? Hello, hello. Welcome to Archive, Murder, Mystery, and All-Around Mayhem. That's Ben. That is Bailey. It's me. All right, you're up this week. Okay, so this week, well, let me start with Yar. <laughs> this week, I've got the infamous 1700s pirate Jack Rackham, or Calico Jack, and also... Aristocats, Calico. Wow, we planned that out, so we didn't plan wow. that at all, and it just worked. Mm-hmm. We're connected. Okay, so Jack Rackham... Calico Jack, he is a famous pirate from the golden age of piracy, which is like 1650s to 1730s. Okay, that's good. I'm really only familiar with Jack Sparrow, so that's that's where my pirate knowledge ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when we talk pirates, like, yeah, I think of Jack Sparrow. <laughs> Just Johnny Depp. <laughs> or like Patchy from SpongeBob, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they have a specific look about them. So I was thinking about like their clothing. You know, you picture a pirate, you picture like... I picture got, like uh, long coattails and like the long like jackets. A du- what's it called? A doublet? I don't... That's a new word for me. A doublet? Yeah. So, yeah, it's like a... It goes over your shirt. Oh. Um, no. I said, okay. oh, but I just didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you would know what it is when, oh, okay. when you see it. Um, I think the tall socks. Maybe the, I'm just thinking of like somebody from the Revolutionary War. I think they had doublets as well. You keep saying that word, and I still don't know what it is. <laughs> well, I've played like Assassin's Creed and The Witcher and stuff like uh, that, so it's buckled like... shoes. Pirates and also, have, actually, have buckled a shoes. character in this story is a character in Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Oh, so that's pretty cool. Bring it into the 21st century. Yeah, the average 1700s pirate clothing was more functional than fashion because you mm-hmm. know they're freaking pirates. They gotta be able to move and stuff, right? They got booty to grab. Booty that, to grab. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But they're pretty much just sailors' clothes. But you know, I mean, they still got the drip. But dirty. You know? And sailors' clothes are called slops, <laughs> which I think is really funny. That's what I call my, my sweatpants too, my slops. <laughs> yeah. So the normal, the normal like clothing would be like linens and canvas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. But more well-off pirates were really into previously owned clothing. <gasps> oh my God! Pirates were thrifty. <laughs> yeah, they were. Love that because you know they get to choose from their captives and <laughs> they just took dead people's clothes <laughs> and they're yeah and stolen goods and they curate the most incredible wardrobes <laughs> do you like this thanks i curated it off a dead body <laughs> but I, when i was writing this i imagined like a pirate trying to kill somebody without ruining their clothes they're <laughs> like you better not bleed on that shirt i want that shirt that's a good shirt they were probably like really good at stain removal back then Psh, no probably just dyed the whole thing red if it got blood on it <laughs> That's true. What are they gonna? They don't have like Tide. <laughs> Wait, white wine? Maybe. Right? Doesn't Do they white have wine access to out... white wine? Isn't oh, the pirate yeah. drink rum? The bougie pirates. I bet they got all types of alcohol. <laughs> but yeah, so 
Still on the topic of clothing, fine velvets, silks, and certain colors of clothing were banned by Elizabethan England. Mm. So, of course, pirates are going to snatch those. Um, I wrote in here, their fits were so good they were illegal. <laughs> That's what they say about me, too. <laughs> but I thought that was really cool. Like Just skims over that. You're like, no, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got good fits. You got good fits. I don't think any of my friends wear, like, silks and linens, though, or, like, velvet. I have some silk. You have tank silk? tops. Yeah. Mm. They were uh, wedding gifts to my mom, like, her bridal shower. They're mm-hmm. these, like, silk like they're supposed to be lingerie from Victoria's Secret, but mm-hmm. they're just like silk tank tops. And she's mm. like, I don't want these anymore. Do you want them? And I was like, vintage Victoria's Secret? Yes. Nice. Vintage. It's like 1996, but like. <laughs> That's cool though. Oh my God. That was like 30 something years ago. Silk stuff is pretty, is, I would say it's like bedroom wear, right? I guess. <laughs> I'm just thinking, you say pirates, but all I can think of now that you're talking about, they're like, they got this insane drip. I'm thinking of the. You know, in like all of those romantic novels, how the cover mm-hmm. is like the guy with like the slightly open puffy shirt and he's got the long flowing hair. I think of like not a trench coat, but you know, like a the tails of the coat are like yeah, flying in the wind or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Two very different pictures right now. No, those those can work together. Okay, so these fools are styling, right? But this is where Jack Rackham breaks from like the norm of like pirates clothing. He preferred like more unrefined textile. He's so, a bad boy. And it was called calico. That's oh. that's one of the textiles. So it's kind of like canvas, but it's like softer and more pliable. Oh, hence the name Calico Jack. The entire yep. time I was like, maybe he just really liked cats. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, he's just he just likes a specific cat. You can't blame the guy. I wonder if they named the textile calico after like the cat. Maybe. Or Do you know all cat calico cats textile? are female? Really? Like genetic, yeah. What? If a cat is calico, it has to be female. That is weird. I did yeah, not I know learned that. something in bio two eleven before <laughs> I changed my major. <laughs> That's weird. Why yeah. is that like? Huh. Okay. Well, his lack of status clothing didn't mean anything as in his ability as a pirate. So maybe he was just humble or frugal, or maybe he just liked the way it felt. I don't know. But cheapskate, cheapskate pirate. Yeah, he didn't really like those status items. How do you not like how silk feels? I don't know. Hmm. Not a good guy, but he was a good pilot. He was good at what he did. He's good at what he did. So after all, he is known for the creation of the Jolly Roger flag. <gasps> yeah. The like skull the, and crossbones? Yep, skull oh, and crossbones. And it's interesting because um, the guy who like monitors pirate actions like in the area around the Bahamas, his name is Roger, Governor Rogers. Oh, yeah. And so I think that's where the flag comes from. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Sally's back. She said, get out my trailer. <laughs> I don't think... It might just be the trailer, actually. Could be. Well, we're sitting in a metal box, so... Yeah, well, when I get my room outfitted, we can do it in there. Trailer I'm going to make sure we're still recording. We are. Oh, woo! <laughs> that would <laughs> We're like halfway into your case, and it's just yeah. not recording the whole time. I have my mic balanced <clears throat> on a Taco Bell hot sauce packet. For oh those of you goodness. who cannot see us right now... Um. Oh my gosh! Look. Okay. So you know how they always have something written on the the uh-huh. hot sauce packets. She this one it. says, "Of course I will. Of course I will." Hold up your microphone, Bailey. Is that Thank significant? You. I don't know. Maybe it's like wh- maybe That's if you're great. like broke and you propose at Taco Bell, she can like hold up this one instead of, of actually I saying will. it. That's terrible. <laughs> okay. Jacob, well, are you listening? Where Jack Rackham got his start is 
He first served as a quartermaster under a pirate known as Vane, which is also mm. a pretty cool name. That is cool. So he was the one plotting the routes and like navigating the seas for the for the the ranger that was their ship. So Vane captained this ship, and he was he was like, I guess that's second in command. I don't really know. Co-captain. Uh, that will change soon. He will become the captain pretty soon because he kills him. Nope. Oh. They rob some ships. No, he's actually pretty chill. Oh. Okay. They rob some ships near New York City, and they run into a problem. They're being pursued by the Man O' War, which is a French warship that's twice their size. And Vane calls for retreat, but Jack really wants to fight. He's like, I don't want to run. We should definitely just head into these guys and fight them. Stick it to the man. Go get him, Jack. So they end up retreating, and like this really pisses off the crew and Jack, and he kind of convinces the crew that Vane's a coward, <gasps> oh. and they mutiny. But Calico Jack is pretty cool about the transition of power. As he gives Vane and his supporters, which is like only 15 people, mm. um, supplies and a ship of their own, because I guess they have a few ships, um, gives them a ship and, you know, they just go on their way. He made the Bahamas his home base after this, and he would rob ships near there. But obviously the local merchants are going to get really pissed off and they just like hate these guys. So they end up hiring, they like organize and hire bounty hunters to go after them and like, you know, mess them up and take their ship back, right? After some years, these bounty hunters actually manage to catch up and catch the pirates off guard while they're ashore. So they take Jack's main flagship and all the loot with it. <gasps> they took his booty. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, they're just like chilling in harbor. Like they're, I don't know, they're probably at a bar or something. <laughs> and then they just take their ship, all their loot, and they have to escape in the woods. Yeah, they just run into the woods with nothing. They got, all all they have and is the like what's pirates on Pirates are sea animals. You know they can't survive on, on land. Well, they're experienced now. So I guess they know how to pirate. Pirates and they steal amphibious. a ship and they just begin again. British ships are getting robbed like crazy in this area, like in the Bahamas. And this guy, Governor Rogers, gets sent in and put in charge of monitoring the pirate actions in the Bahamas. Calico Jack, somehow, he like goes before Governor Rogers and gets a pardon out of this guy. He's pardoned? Yeah. So him and his crew claim to have been forced into pirating by, by Vane, the oh. previous captain. And this guy, this Ooh, guy believes him it. under the bus. Yeah, this guy believes it. Because he knew, he knew about Vane, and like apparently mm. Vane's been just horrible for way longer. And he's like, mm. okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. I guess I believe you guys. Um, but obviously this isn't going to work for long because they're still going to go pirate. Yeah. Yeah, they'll get caught up to eventually. But for now, the trick works, and they're pardoned. I love this. All spill, is well. Spill all the pirate tea. <laughs> all is well for Calico Jack and friends until calico jack the player that he is becomes romantically involved with a married woman <gasps> jack you scandal you <laughs> normally this wouldn't be an issue but since Anne bonnie was married to someone employed by governor rogers oh the guy monitoring pirate <laughs> actions this is going to be a problem in oh, this case no. although the pirates did not commit the first atrocity she didn't really love the guy she didn't really love james bonnie anymore and I thought you were going to say James Bond, and I was like, whoa! James bon no, she didn't really love James Bonny anymore. Um, so Anne was like, I'm going to go with this Calico Jack guy. I mean, yeah, she, cool. she wants the bad boy. Yeah. But James Bonny gets his wife whipped for adultery. <gasps> so not a great husband there. Jeez. <laughs> Jack then asks if he can buy her from James because he loves her. Uh, <laughs> can I have is, your property, that's sir? A normal I'll thing. pay you for it's it. It's a normal thing, apparently. Just like paying for someone else's oh wife. Gosh, that's so bad. Yeah. And James is like, no, she's mine, even though she doesn't love him anymore because he's an asshole. But none What's... of these people aren't assholes. That's the thing. Like all of these people are. They all kind of suck. Kind of suck. Yeah. yeah. 
I think that was just everybody back then just kind of sucked. What about now? For the most part, people still kind of suck. Yeah, that's but at least women have more rights. Hey, that is true. Um, yeah, you can't really buy buy someone anymore. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I <laughs> I mean, it could be better, but. Yeah. So back to it. What would your price be if you were a bride? If I were buying someone, or yeah. if I'm being bought? If you're being bought. Well, I don't get to choose. My, my um, husband would get to choose. I don't know about that. I think I would be worth, in those days, <laughs> at least three cows and like a thousand pieces of gold. Damn. What can I, I have say? no idea what the price of a thousand pieces my of gold is. My grandma once told me I have good birthing hips, so mm. I feel like I'm mm. pretty pricey. All right. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> how are your hips? <laughs> I got birthing hips, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw you in those jeans as a photo shoot. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah. So Anne naturally runs away with Jack, right? Because I mean, mm-hmm. she loves him. She doesn't love her. She wants her man's anymore. She wants the bad boy, and they live happily ever after. This is literally the plot of the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <gasps> Was Pirates of the Caribbean based off of this guy? I actually didn't look into that, but probably. Oh my gosh. Because it is pretty similar. So not actually happily ever after, obviously, because they keep doing violent pirate stuff. <laughs> And Bonnie wasn't just sitting around and being spoiled, right? Like, she is, she's well-deserving of her loot and, like, respect aboard Jack's ship. Because Bonnie would go in and she would fight when they boarded a ship. Oh, my God. Get it, girl. She would dress as a man and just go fuck people up. Love that. It's Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Kira Knightley. Yeah, yeah. No, she was probably a better bitch than Kira Knightley. I think Kira Knightley was supposed to be Anne. Or was supposed to be Mary. Mm. Which is the next woman oh, who shows we'll up. we'll get to her? Yeah, we'll get to oh, her. Oh, can't wait. No, she was probably supposed to be Bonnie. Honestly, I'm not yeah, going to lie. Right I don't remember that. 50% of the plot of the movie. I think you're right with that. It might have been Bonnie. At this time, they've lost some people. They have around 12 people in the crew right now. And when taking a ship, they would try to convince the crew to become pirates for them. And everything being stolen from them, they would sometimes have little option besides joining Jack and Bonnie's crew. And I say Jack and Bonnie's crew because she's now like a main character in this story. Okay, all of this pirating, of course, voids their pardon, so now they're vulnerable to whatever the British want to throw at them. Oh, I forgot they were pardoned in the first place. They're yep. just back on their bullshit. Yep. So a warrant for their capture is published mm-hmm. at this time. And that leads the pirate hunter Jonathan Barnett and former pirate Jean Bondavi, I think that's how you say it, get straight to going after them. So the crew grows and another woman comes aboard, and her name is Mary Reed. And she had previously been serving as a mercenary disguised as a man. And they must have raided her ship and convinced her to become a pirate. But she voluntarily, story says, she voluntarily joined. Hmm. And at this time, it's like pretty unheard of that you'd have one or even two two female pirates on your ship. Um, It's actually bad luck. Also, you know, it's a highly masculine environment. So that would be why they would dress as as men. Mm-hmm. She joins the crew, and Bonnie quickly falls in love with her. (gasps) Gay pirates! And falls out of love with Jack. So they both think the other is a man. (gasps) Oh. Yeah, it's very interesting. So, like, not gay pirates. They have to know. At this point, I think they're straight. They think they're straight. But I think they smell something fishy. You know, like... (laughs) They smell something fishy. Oh, my God. (laughs) You said it. That's pretty good, though. Kind of lesbian pirates. 
I'm. This is a thrilling story. Oh, they'll they'll get to be lesbian in just <gasps> a minute. Um, but at this point, they think each other is a man. So I don't know if that's. Be it's like, gay, straight, and lesbian all at the same time. I would say. I don't know. Why is it? They're, they're probably just so confused about themselves now. They're just like, hey, he's so feminine, what? but like, I'm horny. <laughs> Bonnie, who's also been dressing as a man for the time, reveals to Mary that she was a woman, and then Mary, she's like, I'm a woman too. That's crazy. There's only two ways that this could go: lesbian lovers or best friends. So. Calico Jack has previously, you know, they, they've they had a kid now. Bonnie and Calico Jack have had a kid they now. They have a kid? Yeah. Does he sail um, with them? I think he's probably back Do in Cuba. Do you have Cuba. a car seat on the boat? Oh, Honestly, Cuba. I think they left him behind in Cuba. Because <laughs> that's, that's where they had the kid. And I, I mean, maybe he's just holed up somewhere in the <laughs> ship. But it doesn't seem like a good environment for a kid. And <laughs> <laughs> just left him in Cuba. I mean, that's the life. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But... Calico Jack catches on to their affection and still believing Mary to be a man and his wife to be straight is oh. concerned. <gasps> oh. yeah. And Bonnie's like, don't okay, worry, this... Mary's actually a woman. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, gotcha. okay, we're good. It's just Never girl mind. bonding. <laughs> <Yeah>. Besties. <laughs> Bonnie <laughs> doesn't love him anymore. And this whole time they're, you know, they're being hunted by the pirate hunter and the former pirate. Okay, well, I'm just, okay. First of all, how did they dress like cross-dressed so well that they got mistaken for men because like they must well, have had like feminine facial features and like i mean it's saw cold Kira Knightley in the yeah whatever well they definitely cover up more than that normally like the the sailor mm-hmm. slops pretty much cover you from head to toe <laughs> slops yeah but because it's cold know. out there it's wet did they like cut their hair or did they just like well i guess they all ha- had the, like ponytails the back they, then they didn't i don't well, back think then the guys had ponytails too okay or at least they did in parts of the Caribbean. Well, I mean, that's as far as my like pirate knowledge dirty, goes. So. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I guess I could see how they would pass as men. How did they disguise their voices? Mm. I'm sure some of them. Yeah, they probably, probably just knew. talked lower. Mm. Or they're probably like, mm. man, this guy just has a high voice. Here, you try. <laughs> what do I say? What's that? You know that one say, time? It's like maybe lock them doors and turn. Them. <laughs> say, <laughs> uh, say hello. <laughs> I'll skewer ye. You scurvy dog. Say something like that. I don't think they said that. Why not? I don't know. It sounds like Hollywood. Give me guys. that beautiful linen shirt, you bastard. <laughs> They'd probably say something like that, right? Yeah. No, that's exact. I think I read that in a history book, mm. actually. Wow. <laughs> right on with that. Arg. I'm kind of chilly right now. Yeah. Well, it's cold Very in here. Very chilly. We're in a big metal box. I'm gonna put my. I'm gonna put this blanket on. <laughs> kind of bundle up. The Minnesotan, ma'am comes out again arg give me your booty <laughs> oh just kidding though just, pirate just kidding booty. i'm just yanking your just chain. the popcorn you know <laughs> or what is it the popcorn balls it's like, it's like popcorn pirate's booty yeah but it's oh, not oh that's so so good what were you talking about um yeah so they're still being <laughs> 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 that was a nice tangent though i like that i like that the then infamous calico jack and friends are soon to be apprehended so the crew becomes careless at a harbor and are caught with their pants down. They're having... <laughs> Wait, really? Not really. Oh. <laughs> I mean, some of them did. They're like, having a rum party. A turn. <laughs> They're having a rum party, so I'm sure some of them wow. don't have no pants on. Yeah. But had they not been drinking so heavily, they may have escaped. But they're having like this rum party with on their ship with these English men from the, the colony of Jamaica. Mm. Everyone but Bonnie and Reed are just like sloshed. 
the only responsible ones in the group. Mm-hmm. So the pirate hunters, they they board the ship. The ones that lead the fight are Bonnie and Reed. <gasps> yes. Yeah. So. Gay lesbian pirates. The couple <laughs> leads the fight, but they're also they're captured along with Jack and the crew. I've also read that <laughs> they were the only ones. Them. I was also I also read that they were the only ones to stay above deck and fight. <gasps> oh, yeah. get it, girl! I also I also read that this is because Reed shot into the hold because the drunken crew had gone and hid, <gasps> and she's pissed off. Oh heck yeah! Yeah, so oh badass. God. She's so badass. Why is there not a movie about these two women? Yeah, seriously. However, it went. These two women are just it's insane. Were we originally talking about a guy, Calico Jack? Oh, who cares? This is about gay pirates. Seriously. So the pirate hunter brings them all to trial, but. Everyone but Bonnie and Mary are executed. They're all they're all executed. They killed Jack too? Yep. What? They're all hanged. And they actually like string Jack up and like cut <gasps> him open Ooh. as like a They filleted that man. Yeah, they're so they're like, this'll happen yeah. to you. Basically. Ooh. Pretty fucked. But Bonnie and Mary escape execution and they're, you know, put in yeah, prison. They didn't really execute women because back then. they they claim to be pregnant. No, they would have. <gasps> oh. They totally would have killed him, but they claim they both claim to be pregnant. Um, this apparently is like a common tactic known as pleading the belly. Oh. Yeah. So Mary dies in prison. Mary Reed dies in prison and Bonnie gets out eventually and has a new husband and child. They get and out? that's pretty much the end of the story. <gasps> well, only Bonnie does. She's the well, only yeah, survivor. Yeah. But. And then she, you know. Oh, no. And then for the rest of her life, she pines after her dead lesbian lover. Probably. <gasps> yeah. She's so badass, though. Yeah, Both right? of these women Oh, Crazy. this is so cool. Oh, I love that story. That was thrilling. A little it's bit of true like, crime, a little bit of history. They seriously got caught just having a party, and they're all caught and executed. <laughs> Gosh. It's like, damn. <laughs> shouldn't have stopped. Should have stopped after, like, the second shot, Jack. Come on. The only way they could have gotten away with it is if they would have taken that pardon and just stopped being pirates. But why would they do that? Yeah, That's right. not as why fun. Why would they do that? Come on. Yeah. Oh, that was good. Oh, I like that. Let me go to the Wikipedia because there's also, there's a cool little story of a trick that they pull on this one captain. It's pretty cool. Okay, well, you do that. I'm going to go grab my laptop to get okay. ready for my case. Gotcha. I think I got to pee. And Bailey's back. I am back. Okay, this guy, Captain Charles Johnson, just in describing, he like writes a book and he like describes how rackham stole one of his ships so rackham and his men were out of town in cuba and they're just like refitting their ship or something oh my god sally wow <laughs> sally's like go back to talking about the lesbian pirates <laughs> okay so they're they're fixing their ship at this like small cuban town and a spanish warship rolls up and they're they're like patrolling the cuban coast for you know for pirates and they see them and they're like we're gonna blast these fools but they can't get into harbor because it's low tide so they got to wait outside till morning, and then they're going to just destroy this ship, right? Rackham and his men, like, they realize this. This might be pre-Bonnie right here. She's not really part of the story yet. Yeah, but late at night, they take all their stuff, the best stuff of the ship, I guess, and row over to a smaller ship that's owned by the, the warship. They kill the men on that ship. Oh. It becomes high tide. They can The bigger ship can sail in, destroy Rackham's old ship. But nobody's on it because they've sailed away in the middle of the night. I love that. Taking one of the other ships. Well, Switcheroonie. That's awesome. That's so funny. So he's he's a pretty dang good pirate. That was cool. I like that. Yeah. We should do more pirate stories. That that was pre Bonnie, pre Bonnie and Mary. Pre Bonnie. It's, like, <laughs> it's how we judge time now. 
Mm-hmm. PB and AB, pre-Bonnie, after Bonnie. Love that. Awesome. That was a good case. Yeah, pretty fun. Pretty fun. Yeah, mine's not going to be as fun. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sally. Sally. Girl, oh my I God. know my story doesn't have any lesbian pirates, but you got to chill. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys remember but Sally is the digital noise that you're hearing sometimes she's our ghost it's yeah. not digital noise oh, she's yeah. real right, and right, she's right. here Ben right right well she's speaking to us through you. digital noise okay okay yeah. who's ready for some murder me except yeah. that you told me this one's gonna be intense so oh it's really intense and it's um it's something let me tell you here we go wish I had some gum to get me gum. through this. But, no, you're not going to chew gum during my story uh, into the yeah, microphone. You're right. you're you got me good, though. You're I was totally looking through right. my bag. <laughs> Anyways, that okay. That would be really bad, yeah. So, my case this week is Joseph Callinger. Um, this is, I know we play the we play the graphic warning at the beginning of every episode, but my case will involve um, some sexual assault and it involves children as well. So if that is too triggering for you, go ahead and skip my my case and go to the good news segment at the end. Um, but yeah, just wanted to put a second warning out there. If you'd like to skip ahead of these topics, you can safely go to 54 minutes. Yeah. So I got a lot of this uh, information, credit where credit's due, Murderpedia, uh, Law Archives from Virginia State, New York Times articles, um, a Psychology Today article, and oh, what was most helpful for this case, there was an entire Sally. There was an entire timeline of Joseph Calendar put together by the psychology department of Radford University. So that was really helpful. Shout out to Radford. Don't know where that is. Buckle in. It's a wild ride. Hmm. On December eleventh of nineteen thirty six, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Judith Renner gave birth to a baby boy named Joseph. She was a single mother, and a lot of women back then were really urged to, like, give their children up for adoption or find another home for them. It was hard to raise a child as a single mother back then without the support of a husband's paycheck. Patriarchy. But by January of 1937, Joseph was put into a boarding home, and he only saw his mother once a month. And he was there until the age of two. So you can imagine the, like, separation anxiety from rarely seeing his mother. Like, babies, they need that contact. And his mother eventually had to place him on the adoption list after, quote, not being able to find a husband to provide a home for him, which is, damn one, a conversation all in itself. Okay. I mean, that's but valid, though. It, it is valid, not having, like, a stable home for him. So, Joseph was adopted by Stephen and Anna Callinger, making his new name Joseph Callinger. He does not get adopted and live happily ever after with his new parents. He instead gets severely physically and psychologically abused by them for the rest of his childhood. Congratulations. That's not going to come back to become anything. No. (laughs) We're not off to a good start. That's not good. And, okay, when I say severe, I really mean severe. Like, at the age of five, five years old, Joseph hears some of the neighborhood kids say the F word, and when he asks his parents about it, they in turn beat him with a leather strap, ground oh, him for shit. a week while the beatings continue, and after all that, they never even actually told him what it meant or explained why he shouldn't use it. Damn. He just never knew. <laughs> and when he asked, they just beat him to like an inch of death. Oh my God. And after stealing a prayer book from school, he was forced to kneel on sandpaper for an hour each night. What the mm-hmm. hell? And in another incident, Anna, Joseph's mother, 
beat him in the head four times with a hammer for asking to attend a school field trip to the zoo. Oh, he was like these people are messed. eight years old then. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. And like head trauma. So like that right there should have told you he might become a serial killer. Do you know about the head trauma thing? No. What's that? What's that? Uh, one in four serial killers or something like that has has had a head trauma or a condition that affects the brain. So like having meningitis as a baby. Yeah. So head trauma combined with like arson, he would go on to set a ton of fires. We'll get into that later. Um, But that's like definitely the formula for a serial killer. You've got a brain injury and one of the pieces of the triad. Wait, do you know what the triad is? No. What's that? Okay. So, okay. We're going to go on a slight tangent here. A brain injury and one of the pieces of the triad? Yeah. So, okay. We'll go on a slight tangent, but it is somewhat applicable. The homicidal triad or the McDonald triad, as it's also referred to, is the combination of a child childhood behaviors of fire setting, cruelty to animals. And not getting happy meals. And <laughs> not getting happy meals. No, and enuresis, which is peeing your pants. It's like, it means huh. you can't control your bladder. Um, and supposedly the combination of these behaviors can predict a child's chances to go on to commit homicide or like commit violence. Uh, fire again? setting, fire cruelty setting. to animals, and enuresis, so okay. inability c- to control your bladder. Huh. Uh, there's not really sufficient evidence to say whether or not the triad really has substantial abilities in predicting violence. And really it's more like the behaviors within the triad are just indicators of like severe childhood abuse. Yeah. Uh, Hence why I brought it up about Joseph, but I should do a whole episode on that. Like, I love talking about like what makes a serial killer. Cause like not everybody is born violent like that. Anyways, you should totally do that. Okay. Back to my case. (laughs) At just six years old, Joseph is beaten by his father so severely that he has to undergo surgery for a hernia at the hospital. Jesus. And if that's not messed up enough, uh, his parents also told him that while in, in surgery for his hernia, the doctor also performed an operation to, quote, keep his bird small. So, like, the doctor... What? Basically, they told him that while he was underneath the knife for the hernia, that the doctor also performed an operation to make him impotent and, like, keep his what quote bird small that never actually happened but oh my god so they're just like emasculating yeah That's it's terrible. just so emasculating and like weird psychological torture just like at six years old right. they're like ha, your dick will Dude. never work that's so messed i know and okay and and okay a re- an article that terrible. i read said that like a like a couple weeks before the hernia surgery a girl in his class had kicked him like in the nuts and Ugh. he told his parents that he didn't do anything to deserve it, but they punished him anyways with this weird psychological abuse. Oh, my God. And he was like six. Little kids kick each other all the time. Like, I've probably kicked some kid in the nuts when I was six. Wait, he gets kicked in the nuts and yeah, then also gets... punished for it? Yeah. That, what? With this weird psychological abuse. What the hell? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. In 1944. This kid should just not tell his parents anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're going to abuse him no matter what. He's definitely probably developing some serious like coping mechanisms for this oh yeah and there's some weird like okay there's some some more weird coping mechanisms coming up in a little bit but Mm -hmm. in 1944 at just eight years old this is where it gets really hard uh joseph is held at knife point by older boys in his neighborhood while one of the boys performs oral sex on him so he's molested at eight years old by these older children Um, he's being abused at home he was sexually abused with no one to talk to about it he starts acting out in school and at home. At nine, he's caught cutting up the coats of his classmates because he didn't get any birthday presents from his parents. And at 11, Jeez. he starts stealing money from his parents. Uh, but he does this to kind of bribe his classmates into becoming friends with him. Hmm. 
he's just so desperate for friends at this point. He steals the money and is like, hey, if you come to the movies with me, I'll pay for your ticket. And what kid's going to say no to a free movie? Hmm. He just he was so desperate for friends at this point that he had to basically bribe them. And his parents eventually find out. And as punishment, they take his fingers and burn them on a hot stove. But he doesn't even care because he just wants friends. He he feels like the punishment isn't enough to stop the action because I mean, he, he wants friends so badly. Like, it's on, like he deserves it. Like he has probably no self-value right now. Well, probably all. that too. But he keeps taking money because he just wants friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he probably feels like people don't care about him and that this is the only way to get people to care about him is to use money. I mean, he's also 11 and they're children. Children will do anything for a free movie. But like mm-hmm. he actually goes on to get burned on the stove a total of six times. Damn. Yeah. And I almost feel bad for him. And then, but then I remember all the heinous crimes he committed as an adult. You can still feel bad for him. I do feel bad for Joseph as a child, but I think there's, there's, well, it's not he like was he just failed he in did a lot that of anyway. ways. It's yeah, like... he was failed in a lot of ways as a child by like the system. Obviously, his adoptive parents were awful, and he didn't get the help that he needed. But yeah, he was failed by a lot of systems. But I don't think that's any. That's I don't think that's any excuse for his actions as well because he was really? rendered competent in court. So like he wasn't criminally insane. Well, I don't think you have to be criminally insane to be influenced by your early life. Yeah, but also there's a lot of kids who are abused like this when they're younger and grow up to be decent human beings. But they, I mean, that's just different circumstance, you know, like everybody's different. I guess, but. You can still feel bad for a for a grown man. Like you don't, they don't have to be a kid. I feel bad for him as a child, but I do not feel bad for him as an adult because you'll see what he did. Well, yeah, I don't care what he did. I'm still going to feel bad for him. Yes and no. I We have differing we're opinions different, on that. We're different people. Yeah, it's fine. On that one. It's okay. But. I do okay. It makes you wonder though if someone had noticed the abuse and taken him out of the home early on, would he still have turned out the same as he did? Like, would he go on to kill people? Can't I don't know. think. So. I know. don't think so. I don't know. I think a lot of, a lot of his case is environment, like nature versus nurture. He was not nurtured. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on. But. At 13, he cuts a hole in the wall for masturbation. <laughs> I read that. I was like, what, what, <laughs> Wait, the, what hell? the hell? I was like, boys are whack. Jesus. The wall? That sounds painful. Boys are really jerk off on anything. Put some... uh, he said he cut a hole in the wall. And I'm like, ouch, Jesus drywall. And it was like, Not I've a... heard of a banana peel. I've heard of a makeshift weird Pringle can. <laughs> but <laughs> a, a wall? wall? <laughs> the wall in his bedroom. That's terrible. And this is where it starts to really like, oh, this is not good. He's a he's an engineer. <laughs> he's an engineer. He's thinking. <laughs> an imagineer. Is that what they call him at Disney? Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so this is where it starts to get bad, though. Uh, he masturbates to pictures of naked men and women, normal enough, mm-hmm. um, but has to have a knife nearby to achieve orgasm. Oh, that's not good. Fuck? That's not normal. Uh, and he was... <laughs> And he was He's 13. sexually abused yeah, he was, at knife point. Okay, see, that's what I thought that's too. But here, soon after, he has to cut and stab the pictures to become aroused. And that was my oh, initial shit. thought was he was held at knife point and molested. Maybe this is just his yeah. his brain's like strange coping mechanism or like some psychological effect of it was that just incident. A, a link was made. Or yes, something. that's what I thought. And I was like, maybe yeah. I'm reading too much into it, but we thought the same. Yeah. So in that same year where he starts stabbing photos to become aroused, uh, he convinces his parents to send him away f- to camp for two weeks. But shortly after returning from camp, he hears voices telling him to cut someone. 
so it's 13 years old. Joseph boards a city bus with a knife, sees a younger boy, orders him off the bus and into some nearby woods where he forces the boy to take his pants off. And he doesn't harm the boy. But after he forces the boy to take his pants off, he just runs into the woods. Well, doesn't harm him physically. Yeah, it doesn't harm him. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> that traumatizing yeah. for sure. That's some trauma. Shit. But yeah, he just was like, take your pants off and then ran into the woods. Damn. And he goes on to do the same thing three more times to three other boys. But the last victim, uh, Joseph, actually reenacts what, what happened with him and the older boys mm. when he was eight and performs oral sex on the boy that he is holding at knife point and then huh. runs off. So thankfully he didn't kill any of the boys, but this is really where we start to see the violent tendencies arise yeah. in Joseph um, and his, abil- his inability to show restraint in acting on those tendencies. Where do we get all this from? Does he admit this later or something? Yeah. Oh my gosh. He does so many TV interviews later on. Really? Yeah. And I've watched them and they're creepy. We'll get to that though. I have a little like transcript of one of his more famous interviews. So it's also the first time that we know of where he's persuaded towards violence by these voices that he supposedly hears. Um, and in 1950, Joseph meets a girl named Hilda Bergman and they start dating. And a year later, at 15 years old, Joseph, quote, hears the voice of God telling him that his mission is to heal people through their feet. And yet he's uh, mentally stable in court. Oh, um... <laughs> Sorry. I've, this is uh, <laughs> I should have said this beforehand. Uh, his dad is a cobbler, so he works in a shoe shop. He has his entire childhood. He makes shoes for a living. This huh. Joseph, yeah, I should have mentioned that because also Joseph Callender is also known as like you know ser- they give serial killers like nicknames. Uh-huh. Uh, Joseph Callender is known as the shoemaker or the cobbler, mm. the killer cobbler, things like that. Uh, yeah, I forgot that. That's kind of important. But yeah, definitely he, one of the less. <laughs> yeah. um, cool nicknames but that's good we shouldn't we shouldn't give serial killers cool nicknames that's true but yeah he works calico jack that's fine it's fine (laughs) cat anyways after the years over the years that he's working on what next time bring your glasses i can't well it's my tongue (laughs) (laughs) over the years that he's working at the shoe shop he conducts over forty thousand experiments uh, that's it every article i read just said that about him he conducted over forty thousand experiments but none of them said what they were probably just or like some what cool he was shoes, doing you know i was like you know oh. waffle maker uh rubber type of stuff it's like the new york times just said forty thousand experience experiments, experiments and they're like you know that's... Just experiment with the homies you don't do that too Forty thousand at, at the shoe shop are you talking i don't know it just said forty thousand experiments i had to literally what? dig for like 30 God minutes damn. and i found a single article from 1976 new york times that said he conducted quote this is a quote conducted orthopedic experiments at his shoe repair shop by fitting different sized pieces of foam to his own and customers heels because the heel controls the mind and different pressures on the heel block off various valves to the mind chakras in your heel (laughs) the chakras uh this is this this one sentence was the only place on the entire internet where they explained that line this guy have a foot fetish or something maybe but like heel fetish no it was god telling him that he needs That's to weird. put foam in people's shoes. I mean, are they comfy? <laughs> I don't know. 40,000 experiments? That, you got to make some comfy shoes at I that guess. point, right? <laughs> but at 17, he drops out of school so he can work full-time and marry Hilda. And they actually have two kids together, but the cycle of abuse continues. And just three years after they're married, Hilda divorces him because of domestic violence. 
Um, but don't worry. This guy doesn't stay single long. He is remarried six months later and has five kids with his new wife. But like I said before, the I, mean, cycle- I think I was worried for the opposite reason. <laughs> Not that he'd be single, but that he would find somebody again. Yeah. What do these people see in this guy? I don't He makes a lot of shoes. They're like, oh, your shoes are really comfy. You want to you mm. get married? Uh, That's all I need for my proposal. Who needs a ring? Just give me some orthopedic shoes. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, but uh, why are we laughing? This next line is so bad. But like I said before, the cycle of abuse continues and Joseph is extremely violent towards his wife and children. Um, I feel really bad for joking now. Okay, in one article I read, it stated that he actually tied one of his sons to a refrigerator and beat him every hour on the hour with a hammer. Uh, beat him on the hour every hour with a hammer. Yeah, so every hour, just on the hour, he would beat him with a hammer for no reason and then also uh, in one of the articles i read it they actually interviewed the children this was from like the ni- 1976 or something like that oh when boy. the trial was happening they interviewed the children and his oldest daughter said that she had tried to run away because he was abusive she had mm-hmm. tried to run away but he went out and found her again brought her home and burned her like branded her with a spatula so that she had a <sighs> scar shaped like a spatula on her thigh jesus yeah not good not good yeah, so it seemed like the abuse that he suffered at the hands of his own parents, he's taken and like doubled down on for his own children. It was really bad. And it's at this point in his life that he's actually committed to a state hospital for a suicide attempt. And he burns down his house multiple times to oh try and God. get insurance money. Like he burned it down once and got the insurance money. And he was like, and then they're I like, should just keep doing this. <laughs> he burned it down two more times. And the insurance company like, was like, uh, I'm, that's a little fishy. kind of doing at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, in 1972, Joseph is sentenced to four years probation and mandatory psychiatric treatment after three of his children escape and go to the police and file charges of child abuse against him. How many children does he have? He has five with this wife, but two children from his previous marriage that live with his other wife. So those two children were fine. That cobbler money coming in handy. (laughs) Sheesh. Five kids. At least they all have shoes. (laughs) (laughs) But probably makes them special shoes with nails in them or something. <laughs> right? This guy's so mess. This guy's mess. With foam heels cuz that's he's got to open their mind valves. Yep. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to laugh. Okay. So bad. But it, he's actually found to have an IQ of 82, which is I want to say fairly low, and he's diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic. Uh, and he denied abusing them, of course, but he's given a psychological evaluation and still determined fit to stand trial and found guilty of child abuse. Huh. So, again, four years of probation and mandatory satri- satriatic <laughs> psychiatric help. And around this time, Joseph starts receiving orders from God, as he says, yeah. hallucinating constantly and holding conversations with a disembodied head named Charlie. That's what I named my wow. disembodied head, too incredible (laughs) and joseph tells his 13 year old son michael that god has given him orders to murder young boys and sever their genitals and that michael (laughs) and that michael was supposed to help him do this and his son his son complied with this and we don't we don't really know if it was forced or if he agreed because that's got wanted to but like he has his 13 year old son helping him carry out these delusions he thinks are a message from god no yeah he's 14 year olds can't like 13-year-olds can't give consent to yeah. do that. It's it's forced. And, like, it's your dad's be. beating you. Like, if you say no, is, is he going to, like, kill yeah. you at that point? Like, oh, my God. 
Yeah. So their first victim is actually a 10-year-old Puerto Rican boy named Jose Calazo, and Joseph and Michael torture the boy and cut off his genitals. Damn. And he actually, he ends up dying as a, as a result of this. Um, but in August of 1974, Joseph's son, Joey Jr., who was 11 at the time, had been reported missing, only to be found a few days later, dead and buried under rubble at a demolition site. And the cause of death couldn't be determined, but later on, Joseph actually admitted to killing his son by drowning him in an attempt to get mm. cash from life insurance. Oh, my God. And he said he also killed his son as a sacrifice to God to show that he could kill his own family. So, like, Abraham gone wrong except or something. preemptive, though. Yeah, except preemptive. And there's there's a lot of crazy stories in the Bible. We know this. But at least in the instance of Abraham, he didn't actually kill his son. So he was obviously just I mean, delusional. I mean, yeah, he would have. But like, there's something, something going on here. I would say Abraham probably was too. Probably messed up, man. Yeah, it's definitely gonna mess him up. I, I think it's safe to say all of his children are traumatized. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So later that year, Joseph and Michael break into a home in Lindenwald, New Jersey, but nobody is home. So they move on to another house where they break in, and Joseph sexually assaults the woman who lives there. And just two days after this attack, Joseph and Michael break into a home in Susquehanna Township, Pennsylvania, and they kidnap four older women during their bridge game. They all just went over to this house and they're like, oh, Sally, let's have a fun bridge game. And then these guys just break in and hold them captive. That's terrible. I know. And okay. And so it seems like it switched from young boys to... Women. They're breaking and entering. Well, I think maybe we're, right? maybe I'm reading too much into this. Yes, he he did kill those two young boys, one of which was his son. But then I also think that he holds resentment towards his mother because a lot of serial killers do. Uh, <laughs> but she beat him. And like we don't know if there's any sexual abuse between him and his mother. That's also part of the triad is um, mm-hmm. maternal seduction. Mm. Um, plays a part in that. But... I think he also held resentment towards his mother and also resentment towards women in general because his wife left him. Hilda, his first wife, left Uh him. And a lot of the articles said that she left him for another man. But, like, let's be real. It was probably mostly the domestic violence. I mean, either way. like Either way. If there was another man involved, either way, domestic violence is going to make someone not want to. Or hopefully it's going to make them not want to Mm -hmm. uh, be with them. So, yeah. So... Yeah, but they break into this house in Pennsylvania and kidnap these four older women during their bridge game. And Joseph and Michael actually steal $20,000 worth of valuables and cash from that residence. Damn, how much was was on this bridge game? Those ladies were packing, let me tell (laughs) you. They're just betting on bridge. (laughs) Uh, But in the same night, the father and son duo break into another home in Homeland, Maryland. And the owner, Pamela J., they they hold her captive while Joseph forces her at gunpoint to perform sexual acts on him. Jesus. Not good. Like this his poor son too has to be in on all of this and like again we don't know if his son did yeah. it because he wanted to or because he was coerced because he's a literal child at this point but not good all around. Yeah. And the last incident took place on January 8th of 1975. And, okay, so the, all of these incidents took place within, like, a month and a half. They were working quick. Wow. Yeah. But on January 8th, Joseph and Michael break into a house in Leonia, New Jersey, wielding knives and guns 
and take eight hostages in the home. Holy cow. They tie up the hostages with cords they cut off of like appliances and things in the house and then force them to strip naked. Yeah. And while Joseph and Michael were tying up the hostages, a neighbor had actually come in to check on the homeowner. Hmm. Uh, Maria Fashing was a 21-year-old nurse who would often come and check on her elderly neighbor and help him out. And it's so sad because this is this is really a case of wrong place, wrong time for Maria. Um, when she came into the house to check on her neighbor, Joseph slit her throat and killed her. Yeah. And one of the hostages was actually able to escape and ran to a neighboring house to alert someone and call the police. But by the time the police got there, they just found seven naked hostages and Maria's lifeless body. I told you this one. That's interesting that good. they only killed the one who came in late. Mm-hmm. I think he just, at that point, he had lost control because he didn't factor in Maria. Uh-huh. And he, he had things under control. But then as soon as like Maria came in and she was like an uncontrollable factor, he didn't know that she would be there. Mm-hmm. He like lost it and was like, well, what do I do now? But just nine days after the attack, uh, police arrested Joseph in his home. He he left a bloodstained shirt at the crime scene. Uh. Good job. Um, and the police had been able to link the shirt back to him because it's 1975. They're not entirely dumb. The police mm-hmm. know how to do some, th- some, yeah. some stuff. Um, and police actually arrested Joseph, Michael, and Joseph's younger son, James, because apparently Michael and James just looked so similar that they couldn't tell wh- who was who, and they just arrested them both. Damn. James was later released, though, so like he's fine. Um, right. Well, semi-fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still arrested at 11 years old. Um, but Joseph was given a psychiatric evaluation and determined competent to stand trial. Um so and they they determined that he knew right from wrong and willfully committed these acts hmm. and he was charged with four counts of robbery, four counts of false imprisonment, one count of burglary and he spoke at his own trial and told the jury that God had communicated with him and told him what to do and he said he had bouts of amnesia where he couldn't remember what he'd done or said. But this is my favorite part. Wow. He also said that he had existed as a butterfly. I don't know what that means. That was all it said. Huh. And I tried all to right. dig. I tried to dig again like I did for the 40,000 experiments. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Just he told the jury that he existed as a butterfly. Sheesh. All right. <laughs> and it took the jury less than an hour to produce a guilty verdict. And he was sentenced to 30 years in prison. And while he waited in prison for his second trial, the one that would cover the murder of Maria and the seven hostages or eight hostages hmm. he was acting out in prison and playing up his delusions in an attempt to be declared insane for the next trial but no one believed hmm. him obviously and he was found guilty in this trial as well and sentenced sentenced to life in prison uh, and while in prison he set himself on fire assaulted Damn. other inmates slashed another inmate's throat the guy survived but Sheesh. his his excuse for that was that god told him to do so i think he just needed some anger management yeah, yeah. <laughs> a classic that's what I also say when teachers ask why I haven't turned in my homework. I mean, at this point, it doesn't even seem like he's angry. It's just, that's just like what he does. Yeah, he's just a violent guy. And he spent the last five years of his life in solitary confinement on suicide watch and died in 1996 after a seizure. So he died in prison. Huh. And as for Michael, the courts actually determined him to be under his father's control since he was a minor. And he was sent to a reformatory and released at 21. Uh, he's changed his name, kind of disappeared since then off the grid. No one really knows where he is. Um, but I mean, after all that, you'd want to live a pretty low key life. Yeah. He was a minor. I don't, I don't know how big of a role he actually played in all of this, but 
Something I did find really disturbing, though, was Joseph's willingness to do TV interviews. Like, he did so many before he died. And they're on YouTube. You can look them up. But if you do, I will say it's really creepy and kind of makes your skin crawl just, like, knowing what this guy did and how he's he's so calm and just monotone in all Mm. of the interviews. Um, And one of the interviews I watched, uh, it was by Geraldo Rivera in 1988. I'm going to read you a little transcript. Uh, This is just, like, a quick 15-second snippet from one of the interviews. Okay. But Joseph says... I'm a patient person. I got a good listening ear and try to help people. Rivera says back, you're patient with a good ear and try to help people? Joseph says, yes. Rivera asks, when you're not trying to murder them? And Joseph just says in this like dead-faced, creepy, monotone voice, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very patient and I'm a good listener. Uh, it you was so creepy. Just... <laughs> My skin was crawling. I was watching these alone at night at like 10 o'clock last night (laughs) Uh, trying to get ready for this morning. Yeah. In my apartment alone. (laughs) (laughs) Not good. But yeah, that is that is the story of Joseph Callinger, the shoemaker or the cobbler killer. So where is this guy again? I, I can't remember. You probably said it. Yeah. So he lived in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, but he committed crimes like all up and down the East Coast from like Maryland to New Jersey. Road trip. (laughs) it's messed yeah that was that was pretty gnarly yeah that was really gnarly Mm -hmm. especially because like the childhood trauma and all that stuff you see into their life and it makes it more messed up Mm -hmm. with joseph we have such like an intimate look into his life and there's videos growing up there's videos of him things like that it makes it so much more real i think Mm -hmm. because like looking at this guy you just be like yeah he looks kind of creepy but he could just be at the walmart and i would never know damn you know? why does it gotta be Walmart? actually i know why <laughs> it it's would gotta be, be walmart, walmart. <laughs> yeah but yeah so that was my case for this week a little messed up really but good really good. good one all right let's get to the good stuff let's let's end on a high note are you ready yes i, 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 I picked don't this know one out the... just before we started and it's so cute sweet so a reminder this is our good good news section mm-hmm. to you know just lighten the mood we always like to end on a on a high note because our cases can get really dark and awful. Your case was great, but my case was dark and <laughs> awful. And yeah. I want to end on a high note. So I have an article from the Good News Network titled, This Lizard Has His Own Cookbook and It's Utterly Adorable. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> lizards don't have udders? <laughs> Hedgehog milk is lactose intolerant. Lactose-free? Lactose-free. But Lenny, a one-year-old central bearded dragon, can be seen with tiny pots of soup, miniature biscuits, and dinky cheeses in his debut book, Chef Lenny, Cooking for Humans. Oh, my God. (laughs) The cookbook was a brainchild of Lenny's owner, Valerie Musser, a chef and lizard lover from Redmond, Washington. That's so awesome. And it says all the miniature food in the book is real, and the dishes are Valerie's favorite comfort foods that she serves to her family with chicken pot pie, blueberry muffins, and home cooked tacos in all featuring. Oh it's my God, so that's so cute. cool. Let me I see. Know. Some <laughs> I'll show you. We'll put pictures on Instagram okay. as well. Um, but Valerie said that Lenny. This is a quote. Valerie said that Lenny has the perfect personality to be a chef. He's very pretentious, she joked. His body language is kind of crazy. He wants what he wants. He's very demanding, and he's kind of a snob about food. Very fussy. So this project fit him very well. He wears the tiniest chef hat, and 
all of the little like foods in the photos are real. Like she made just really tiny versions of these foods and That's he's so posed cool. next to all of them. It's so cute. That's Remember awesome. to check out the Instagram and Twitter. We will post pictures of this tiny lizard on there and his tiny chef's hat. And the 134 page cookbook is available on Etsy and Amazon with the option of bespoke dietary alterations on request. Is it, The cookbook's probably got the normal size recipes, right? I don't know. Actually, that's a really good question. Yeah, because that would be a lot less practical. So if you want the link to Lenny's cookbook, follow us on Twitter. Do you want to go work on that after this? Yeah. Sweet. But yeah, that that was this week. That was a great, that's a great one to end on. I really am looking forward to seeing those lizard pics. (laughs) That sounds awesome. Some of your best lizard pics. We went from Calico Jack to Lesbian Pirates to... 40,000 shoe experiments to Lenny the Lizard. That was a good one. All right. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening in. We upload every Monday. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Bye. Bye. I think I got to pee. Okay. While Bailey is getting her laptop, because we have no no power in here, so she was charging it in the house, I'm going to tell you a story about Captain Rackham and his crew, which I think is pretty cool. It's pretty badass. And Bailey's back. I am back. Were you talking to the podcast without me? Yep. I was talking without you. That's whack. I thought you said do it while you're gone. No, I said while you find that. I'm going to go grab my laptop. Oops. I already did it. I wanted to hear it. Okay, I'll do it again. Hold on. Let me get situated. Okay. <laughs> you just did a, a, a wall. wall? I only spit straight facts. But no, you're not going to chew gum during my story uh, into the yeah, microphone. Right. Pirates are sea animals. You know they can't survive on, on land.